0: So, we are excited uh, you guys are here today. Welcome to WFR from us. Uh, I saw a little bit of the live stream, Mike, and I saw you on there. And so, Grant mentioned Arkansas. Uh, yeah, he couldn't resist. He couldn't resist. Uh, and how many days have been since they won and all that. And congratulations. He <laughs> mentioned LSU and tapped us a little bit. He didn't mention Texas. He's a Texas fan, right? The Texas ball game yesterday. So I just wanted to mention that since he left that out, uh, that he and Emma are the only ones not happy here today. Uh, so, uh, But we're so glad that you're here. It's a beautiful, crisp, clear first Sunday in October, the best time to be in Louisiana. Amen? Yeah,
1: that's exactly uh, right. it's nice. Yeah.
0: It's very nice.
1: A smattering of applause. A smattering of
0: applause. <laughs> Trying to get this group fired up here.
1: Well... Uh, are, are we'll we our video. Uh, Have we got our, uh, worship, our uh, worship, yeah, other we, crew with, us? Are I they with us? I
0: don't see them on the screen, but I, I, I'm assuming that they're with us. We've got, a, uh, we've got a special video that we're going to show. We already saw the first two seconds of it. There they are. There they Give are. Give us a wave over there, Fellowship Center. There you there go. go. we we'll see right, Excellent. I was just over there. So it's hard to be in two places at one time. But Wait,
1: they, yeah. You were pretty quick, that though. was pretty quick.
0: Yeah. I got there pretty fast. Yeah. So we got a video we want to show you. Uh, today's a very special day. And uh, so we're going to let Chris Buxton tell you a little bit of what we're going to be doing today. Now, guys, fire that video.
2: Hey, church. This is Chris Buxton from Jonesboro, Arkansas. Uh, After 22 years as a state university campus minister, I chose to plant uh, and launch this new organization called U Life Campus Ministry Planting. U as in university. And I did that for one simple reason, and that's because we don't have enough campus ministries out there. And that's tragic, I believe, because I don't think there's any better way for God's people to transform lives and make disciples than to be among college students. When you think about some of the most important decisions that you will make in your life, so often those occur during that season that we call the college years. When you think about the, uh, the best friends that you will make for life, when you think about finding a spouse, when you think about forming a career path, and maybe most importantly when you think about forming your world view figuring out how you're going to see and interpret the world. So often, all of those decisions are made during or shortly after the college years. And that's why I believe it is so important for God's people to be with college students. That's why I am so excited that Whites Ferry Road has chosen to partner with us to dream really big about campus ministry. Over the next three years, our plan is to partner with you to help start new campus ministries at Louisiana Tech at Grambling State, and also to start right here in Monroe with the University of Louisiana Monroe Campus Ministry to help revitalize and strengthen that ministry right here in your backyard. The first major step in that direction is that we have been able to bring to you Simon and Bridget Everett. I know as you get to know them, you are going to love this young couple. They are sweet, godly people. But also, they both come from a campus ministry at Arkansas Tech University that really knows how to view the campus as a mission field. And they're going to bring their expertise here to help revitalize and strengthen the ULM campus ministry. So thank you, Whites Ferry Road Church for being willing to partner with us at Life Campus Ministry Planting and for dreaming really big about expanding God's kingdom through campus ministry.
1: Thank you, Chris. Amen.
0: So we want to call up our elders uh, in, in both rooms. I know that uh, Johnny and Randy are in the other room. If you guys would go up front over there. And whoever we have in here, come up, please. Also, we want Simon and Bridget Everett to come up and join us on stage. We want to pray over this uh, new couple for us, exciting times. Um, Also, anybody that's a college student, if you're in this room or if you're in the Fellowship Center, if you would go forward, uh, we want to pray over you guys in this ministry. Uh, Any campus, welcome. Glad you guys are here. Uh, Also, I just wanted to say a little bit of thank you as folks are making their way forward uh, to Harley and Derek and Gavin and Sarah and Michael, many who have been just stepping into the gap uh, the people that have been blessed uh, by our campus work but now are blessing other people. That's called paying it forward. That's what we do. And that's how you're gonna build this campus ministry. I'm thankful for Ryan and Miranda Lee uh, and the volunteer time that they spent, the Dashers, the Atkins, the Osborns, and everybody else that has stepped in to the lives of college students. This day is possible because of all that groundwork that was laid for you guys to be here now. And so we, we are honored, we are excited about what God's going to do. It's going to start at ULM, it's going to spread like wildfire to Tech and to Grambling, and we're going to see what God does with all of this. So we want to officially welcome you guys here. We we'll want to have a prayer over these guys as well as all of our other college students. Let's
2: pray.
3: Father, it has been a joy over the last number of weeks to get to know Simon and Bridget mm-hmm. and to, uh, to dream with them about the possibilities. We know that uh, for many years, we have dreamed about doing work on the campus and uh, reaching students. Uh, in our own backyard, and, and yet you put it on our hearts to even think beyond uh, just that campus, to go to Grambling, to go to Delta, go to to, to Tech, uh, and Father, wherever you lead us, we want to be humble and follow you. Thank you for leading this fine couple our way. I pray that you bless their life together as they move, have moved here and gotten settled. Um, I pray a special prayer for Simon as he... he helps create a vision for touching that campus as well as growing uh, the students that we have that are coming already. Uh, Father, I pray for the international students, such a large community, the gospel in reverse, the Great Commission coming to us uh, as we touch lives. I also pray in a, in a very mighty way uh, for Bridget as she makes med school applications uh, and does interviews over the next number of weeks as she continues her career and uh, in, in, in life dream of doing that. Thank you again for blessing uh, us with this couple, and we share with with them their vision that you have planted on their heart uh, to touch lives uh, in such a a formidable time of life that we can impact a generation, not just with our college, but with our high school and middle school and all the way down to our children, uh, that will rise up uh, and glorify your name. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you all. Wow, what
0: an exciting time to be alive, to be serving, to be watching what God can do. Uh, I'm super pumped about it. You know, it's it's interesting because I was converted. Uh, I grew up here, uh, came here when I was 10 years old, had been in church most of my life, uh, and then was a prodigal and uh, wayward for a while. And when I came back home and came to Christ, I was that age. I was that 18 years old. I was finally realized that the lifestyle that I had been leading was not going to lead me anywhere but death or jail or something terrible. And so I was impressionable. And I remember I started at college, uh, 1983, Mike, uh, out at ULM. It was NLU back in those days. uh, And they were Indians. Now they're Warhawks. So a (laughs) lot's changed. But the most thing that's changed has been me. The relationships I made with guys like Dennis Mitchell and later with uh, Charlie and Cindy Murray, man, I mean, those were those were lifelong friendships and relationships that were built during that period of time. And that shaped me and it changed me. And the fact there were a group of people at a time when I was just fresh and new coming to Christ that were there to support had a huge impact on my life. And so that's why I'm so passionate about campus ministry.
1: Tell you, uh, um, that's kind of the way it was with me. I had, uh, at 18, headed off to... Uh... To go to college, I was leaving home, and I had everything packed in my car, so I'm pulling out of the driveway. My mom is back there, and my dad, he shakes his hand. He shakes my hand says, go on, you know. My, uh, my mom's back there. She's crying, and I've got everything loaded, and I'm driving all that whole long 40 miles <laughs> <laughs> to Jonesboro, Arkansas to go to college. You know, but if you've never been anywhere, that sounds like a long way, right? And so, uh, I mean, like I was leaving home, uh, and so I get to the, the campus, and I had some friends that we uh, shared an apartment with, which was not a great idea at the time. Uh, but all of a sudden, you're on your own. You don't, nobody's making you do anything particular. Now they'd been drilled into me to go to church. I never quit going to church. So somebody that says, oh, well, you can't go to church and live like that. Well, some of you are going to church and living like that right now, right? Yeah, I'm after you today.
0: Because
1: I went to church, yet lived like a heathen. And uh, uh, all the the drinking and everything that happens on college campuses and kids that year exploring freedom, uh, all that type of thing happened to me. And yet what happened was, A group of students at uh, Arkansas State University reached out to me. One particular, Gary Stevenson. And uh, Gary, if you're listening to this lesson, thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For Gary, Raymond McDaniel, uh, Ron Ghoston, those guys that reached out to me, they brought me, I said, come, go to this activity with me at the Student Center. I, I went, I knew a few people there. They started teaching me the gospel which I thought I had all the answers. I was religious and I'd studied the Bible, and uh, but I didn't know what the gospel was. Not really. It never broke my heart. And I can remember sitting down at the Bible study and and uh, and I said, I I, I got to do something about this. Matter of fact, that night uh, that night there was we were playing Arkansas State was playing Memphis State University. Al, and we were undefeated that year. We drive over there. It's a big game. We win the big game. Everybody goes and hits all the bars, right? And so uh, we uh, are driving back, and I realize, because they just shared the gospel, I've got the lifestyle still banging up against each other. And I realize if I die tonight, that's it. I'm going to hell. It's all over. I am not living right for God. I'm not sold out on the gospel. I'm in the back seat. I'm praying that the guy in the front hadn't drank as much as the rest of us. And uh, we get back, I'm doing something different. We got in 4.30 in the morning, uh, something like that. I went in, I changed my clothes, took a shower, cleaned up, got my Bible, drove down to the church. I was the only one there on the parking lot and opened up my Bible and read my Bible and waited till somebody got there. And then I sat down that... Afternoon and studied with uh, Gary and Ron Gostin, and that evening I was baptized into Christ, and I've never wanted to do anything other than follow God ever since. So, if you, my point is, if you don't think college ministry makes a difference in a kid's life, it made the difference in my life tremendously, and that's what these guys are about. That's what Simon and Bridget are about. That's what's going to happen on these campuses. already has. We've seen some of our own people. And you know, in an odd way, it kind of circles back around because later on, uh, they invited me up to do a retreat for this, that student center. So I go and I speak, and after I speak, it was at a little camp up around a little town called M. Arkansas, and I speak at the retreat, and I'm sitting in the room, and an individual student comes in and starts talking to me. He says, Mike, what you described about finding grace and coming out of legalism. And and he said, man, that's where I'm at. He said, and so all of a sudden, he starts talking to me and he's he's discovering grace. He's figuring this thing out about the gospel and the grace of God. And uh, I never remembered that student's name until a couple of weeks ago when we had breakfast with Chris Buxton. And, And Chris, that you saw on the video came and said, Mike, you remember you did a retreat? And I said, yeah, I remember. He said, I don't remember anything you taught. And I said, well, that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. My church doesn't either. But that's uh, uh," he said, but I do remember having a conversation with you in your room. And that was the conversation. That was the kid I talked to. And I never knew. Isn't it amazing how God works and multiplies things out to impact other people's lives? And so really it's things we don't know about that God's used when we think we've done Weak. We think we've been weak, and we, we have, and God's turned them into some kind of strength. The opportunity at a campus, it's like looking at a mission field. It's another culture. It's another language. It's another uh, figuring out how people live and what, the things that they're struggling with. And uh, that's right up our alley, right? That's what One Kingdom is all about, mission work, figuring out how to go into a foreign country or a foreign country right here on a campus and making the most of it to reach people for Christ.
0: I love your testimony, Mike. And and it's also a reminder of what we've been talking about in the book of John. We have to be light in dark places. And you do that by conversations. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to know all the Bible. Just like Mike, he was a new Christian, and he shared a conversation that was full of salt and grace. We can all do that. That's what we do to to win a campus, but that's what we do to win anybody, anywhere. That's the power of it. In our text, we're at the end of John chapter 12, and we're sort of at a turning point because everything up through the first 12 chapters of John, we've seen Jesus doing ministry. Uh, We've seen him doing miracles. We've seen his message about the kingdom and the Messiah and the Lamb of God. And look, everybody else has seen that as well and quite a few folks that have been following him around. We get into John 13 next week, it's going to now go into that weekend that changed the world and changed all of us. But everything up to now was about convincing, was about saying, this is who I am. This is what we're going to do. This is who you need to look to. And so we get to this last part of the text in John chapter 12, and Mike and I were excited about we, our lesson today is entitled The Face Stealers, and I really thought about Campuses and college kids, in particular, and how the evil one, this thief that Tommy preached about a few weeks ago, comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy. That's what we're up against. But it's not a new thing, it's been going on the whole time. Because you figure if you would have been walking around with Jesus and seen all these amazing things, what would happen? What would be the results of the big finale that we start next week? In verse 37, even after Jesus. Had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. What? Really? Everything he's done? Everything he said? Sinless? Perfect? Nope. The thief. And then there's a quote here from Isaiah just to show you that this this has been going on since the dawn of mankind. In verse 38, this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, he said 1500 years earlier, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He goes on and mentions in Isaiah 6 that eyes are blinded in unbelief, hearts hardened, minds not understanding. Faith being stolen again and again and again.
1: And here's what's really scary about that. I mean, the positive thing about it, you're going to find out there are some that do believe, and there's going to be some great things happening in their lives, and the church is going to explode down the road. But in this particular context, these folks had consistently refused to believe what was right in front of them. How could you watch a guy raise somebody from the dead and not believe in him? How could you watch him feed the 5,000 and not believe and watch him love on people who've been caught in adultery and give them grace? How could you not believe in a guy like that? Yet they wouldn't believe. But this consistent unbelief has has a real danger to it. Are you listening to the danger? Listen. Here's the danger. If you keep on going your own way without acknowledging God, eventually he'll just give you up to your own way. That's the Romans 1 passage. That that they refused to retain God in their knowledge. They refused to believe Him and acknowledge Him as Creator. And what happened to them? That they just went off into immorality and and, and false gods. And it says that God gave them over. God gave them over. This This is the danger of consistent unbelief in what you see right in front of you. And some of these people got to that point. That they had chose not to believe... To the extent that now they couldn't believe. They wouldn't believe, and now they couldn't. And their hearts are hardened, and their eyes are blinded. And I thought, what a sad, sad situation when someone was right there in front. I used to think a sad situation was someone dying off over in some country who never had a chance to hear the gospel. Really, what's sad is that people who are right here hearing, and right here with Jesus, walking with Him. And yet, refused to believe in who he was.
0: And here's another scary bit: as if that's not scary enough, John 12:42. At the same time, many, even among the leaders, did believe in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. They loved human praise more than praise from God. Hmm. that's still going on folks my day my, we called it peer pressure yeah. today they call it cancel culture but it's all the same thing yeah. the, the idea is whether it's on social media or a college campus or at work or wherever you are that I don't want to speak up about my faith and what I believe because I'm fearful of what you might do to me as if what they did to Jesus should frighten us at all. Of course we're going to be persecuted. Didn't the Bible tell us that? Didn't Paul say anyone who lives a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted? It's going to happen if you speak up. But you know what? You don't get quiet. You get loud. You change hearts and lives by showing love. That's what we do. We impact people.
1: There's a time that's coming or has already come in our culture That even from, sometimes even government officials, sometimes, definitely sometimes from uh, college administrators that says, you're not going to preach the gospel or speak about it in, in this context. And our response has got to be, we love you, we want you to find the grace of God, but we will not stop preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, no matter what. Amen. No matter what. Amen.
0: You remember in uh, Matthew 4 and Luke 4 when Satan was parading Jesus around, tempting him, and he took him up on that mountain and he proudly proclaimed about all those kingdoms under his control. I think about it, if that were to happen in our current era, I imagine Satan taking Jesus to all the college campuses, Ivy League schools, Berkeley, and saying, look at all these people who are mine. You just bow the knee to me. See, Jesus was the first one to face cancel culture. And he said, I bow the knee to no one, only to God. And that's us. That's where we are. How many young people have walked onto college campuses having been taught the right way, having at some time committed themselves to Christ, and yet have that influence then put them in doubt, Is there even a God? Is this thing real? We evolved from, you know, snails or whatever the case may be. When we know who God is. There was a a young college student in 2016. He was at Gwinnett College, which is in Georgia. And he was passionate about his faith. So he wanted to get out there in the public square. But he wanted to do things the right way. He's an immigrant family, and so he wanted to follow the rules. So the rules were you had two tiny speech zones, less than 1% of the campus, that was only available less than 10% of the week. That's the sliver that you had for free speech. Now, I didn't realize in America we had a free speech zone. I thought that meant anywhere. I thought that's what the Constitution said. So this young man was denied his ability, even under those rules, to speak two times. He began to speak. Someone complained, and the cops came and broke it up. I want you to watch this little short video, and you'll see this man.
4: I did everything they told me to do. I moved where they told me to move. I applied for the permissions they told me to get. And still, even with all the T's crossed and I's dotted, they told me I couldn't peacefully express my faith. And then the court said their mistreatment of me didn't matter. That threatening me, silencing me, didn't matter. And though I felt alone, with ADF, I'm not alone. there are millions of students like me and for them I will not be silent
0: the uh, ADF he mentioned is Alliance Defending Freedom which is a group of Christian attorneys that take cases to the Supreme Court which is where this case is going so be praying for that this summer you know it's everywhere, and we're going to have to make a decision to stand up for what we believe in. This case there will get, there'll be more and more. It's not going to get better. The thief doesn't just quit stealing. It's going to get worse until we win enough people to change our culture. And that's the only way I know to do it.:
1: You know we are to not only John 12:44 through 46, let's just read this. Jesus cried out. Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. He wants to bring people into the light. See, we have to be that light in those dark places. We have to be on the offense. We have to be believers that are out loud and on purpose in the situations that we're in. And I think it's sometimes it's so easy for the church to think backwards. We think about protecting our kids as they get ready to graduate and go out to college. And and, and, and I understand that. There's that natural protection. And I, I don't want anything to happen to them. But somewhere we got to prepare them strong enough that we send them out as missionaries into these campuses where they go on the offense with a, such a strong faith that they're going to make something happen when they get there. What to think of it that way. In 1904, a young 16-year-old man named William Borden gave his life to the Lord. When he was in college, he started an early morning prayer group for students. That gave rise to a movement that spread across Yale University. And by the end of his first year, there were 150 students meeting regularly for prayer and Bible study. By the time he graduated, 1,000 students were doing it. And he had also started an outreach ministry to the uh, drunken men in the community and bringing them in for rehab. After doing graduate studies at the Princeton University, William Borden left the United States as a missionary to China. But he never reached his destination. On the way there, he contracted spinal meningitis and died. In the Bible he left behind, he had written these words. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. Do you think his life was a waste? No. His life wasn't a waste. He made an impact in the world in which he lived at the time. And out of his teachings, it got multiplied time and time again through what we always refer to as discipleship. We need students and we need adults and churches to raise up, to once again dream about how we can take uh, a campus for Christ, how we can have have hundreds or thousands reached in areas because of the gospel. We can't back off because of political correctness or government or anything else. We are going to be forced to, I'm afraid, I hope we have just the freedom to, but I'm afraid we're going to be forced to be bold in the face of a culture that does not want to hear about Jesus. But Jesus needs to be heard about. People need Jesus more than they need the next breath of fresh air. There are people on these campus colleges that that are going to be future leaders and future researchers and doctors. and, And they need to understand who made this world and who made them and what they can do in an impact for the kingdom of God. Please. Please be praying for our mission efforts on these camps. Be praying for Simon. Be praying for his wife. Be praying for these students. They are missionaries in a hostile world, and we've got to surround them and encourage them uh, with boldness and enthusiasm to get the job done. So, sorry, I got, got the preaching there. I got the preaching.
0: He's radiating heat over here. That was really good. <laughs> if, uh, if our phrase groups uh, would come up. So what we're saying is to everybody, but especially to you 18 to 20-somethings, don't wait to figure out what you're going to do the rest of your life. Your life is right now. My greatest regret is that I let the evil one steal three or four of some of my best years. Mm running around acting like a fool. I regret that. So many opportunities I missed. Me too. But you know what? Today is a new day, and there's new mercies in it, and we have an opportunity to be changed. We're going to need prayer. We're going to need boldness. We're going to need witnessing, and we're going to need to get behind what we're trying to do. That means resources of time, money, effort. To make things happen. That's what we're asking for today. And we're also, anytime we're together, asking for us to be able to go all in on this. If you guys are watching on live stream, this is your opportunity today to make a decision. We want your help for our ministries and what we're doing here. We've geared up. Mike was reading me some amazing notes today from some of you that are having heart and life change because of this, because of unashamed. And we praise God for it. Amen. Today's a day to renew and commit. Those of you in the Fellowship Center, I just want to encourage you guys, what a blessing you are to our church, those college students that are in there. You are our focus today because you are our future. We're depending on you to go all in and to make a difference and an impact. If anyone has a need today to come to Christ, prayer request, or just a prayer,
3: to come forward.